You know, last week when I started this series called Reformed, uh, I, I told you that God said he was going to give it to me one piece at a time. And what was crazy was, you know, usually during the week I spend time studying or I spend time in my prayer time. And usually I have an idea of where I'm headed by the, end of the, by the middle of the week. And usually by Thursday and Friday I begin to write so that I'm prepared for Sunday morning. But this week was completely different. I got all the way to Saturday morning and I still didn't have a complete direction as to what God wanted to do. And every Saturday during this quarantine, my staff and I, we've been coming into this house and praying, praying for you, praying for our church, praying over our city, praying and believing God for the next phase, the next step as to what we're called to do as a church. And, and I, I was sitting in the moment and God gave me a word and I was talking to the team afterwards and I said, man, I don't want to share it because I don't want to give up what I feel like God's laying in my heart. So I want to continue in part two of this message called Reform. Before we do, let me set the stage. Last week we started this series and over the last few weeks, God has been speaking to me that there is about to be a reformation in the church. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think there's about to be anymore. I think we're in it. I think we're in the midst of it. Uh, the key idea of reformation was a call to purify the church and a belief that the Bible, not tradition, should be the sole source of spiritual authority. The word reformation comes from the root word reform. It is defined as this. Watch this. The word reform is defined as the improvement or amendment of what is wrong, corrupt, unsatisfactory, etc. To change to a better state or form, improve by alteration, substitution, abolition, etc. To cause a person to abandon wrong or evil ways of life or conduct. To abandon evil conduct or error. I believe with all of my heart there is a cleaning of the church right now. I heard somebody say this uh, about two weeks ago. As soon as the pandemic hit, every pastor on the, in the globe all became on the same level playing field. We could no longer hide in our buildings. We could no longer hide behind our crowds. We now stand in the place where we have to trust God to give you a word each and every week. We can't move with the tides of emotion and social media. We have to move with the voice of God like never before. And so in this hour, I feel like God is coming in in this moment when you're not here, when you're not in the building, and he is dealing with his house. He is dealing with his church. I'm talking to pastors each and every week, and what is amazing to me, that some I'm talking to do not hear it, but a lot of what I'm talking to hear what God is speaking in this moment, that God is aligning things, that God is putting things into place so that we can step and grow and move forward into what he has called and purposed us to, not just exist on Sundays, not just attend a church service and check our boxes, but actually become the church, the living, breathing house of God. God is in the middle of a reformation right now, a reformation of this house, a reformation of your home, a reformation in your marriage, a reformation with your children. He is reforming things, reforming. We have climbed back on the potter's wheel and we have said, God, in this hour, mold us, make us, do whatever you have to do because we want to be ready for what is to come next. And I believe with all of my heart that is where God has us. Because I believe that there, are no, there is no room for excuses anymore. There is no room to make excuses why we refuse to pursue God, yet we still will show up on Sundays. Sundays are not pursuit. Sundays are celebration. Pursuit is when no one's leading, in you, leading you and you have to lead yourself. So last week I shared the story of Jacob and Esau. And I believe that this story in this moment is a typecast of the church and God in this hour. The church being Jacob, God being Esau. 
the church being Jacob, one who has received God's blessing or received blessings, but has run and done things, has hurt certain situations, has come to God when we need him, but don't come to God because we love him. We have done certain things and we have separated ourselves and now we've come to a moment of restoration and, and God has given us the opportunity to return home, to first return home in your home. You'll catch this in a second. How can the church be the church if the church can't be in your home? See, we want the church to be our home and then want to bring the church back home. And God says, I need the church to be in the home so that the church can actually be the church. Because when we allow God to dwell in our homes, then it is very easy to find him in his house. And he says that in this moment, the church has been Jacob and I have been Esau. And now it is time to restore all things. It's time for the church to be restored to its former glory. Here it comes. Watch. And I need you to bear with me for a second because I got a lot of meat, a lot of material in my system this morning. It's time for the church to be restored to its former glory. Pastor, I don't want to go back to the way the church used to be. I'm not talking about what we did in the church. I'm talking about the move of God that's never changed. I'm talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about signs, miracles, and wonders who follow us, who diligently seek his face. I'm talking about what the word says, not what we've wanted to preach to make everybody feel good, but that we would actually experience the gospel, actually experience Genesis to Revelations and everything in between the two ends of this book. Not just a, hey, let me, let me encourage you about your life, but let me step back into this thing where when we declare the word, the power of God shows up, blinded eyes see, the lame walk, the deaf hear. The church has to be restored to its former glory. It's time that the, the sins of our past are really in our past and not just hidden on Sundays. You'll catch this one in a second. The days of us sitting on Monday... And running in on Sunday and painting our sin and hiding it because we think no one's going to see it. But yet God still does. God says, in this moment, I need you to abolish sin. I need you to cut off sin because I want to do a work in you and through you. I am asking for purification. Purify your hearts. Purify your minds. Because if we do not do this, we might miss what God wants to do in this hour. It's time that the altar be restored, not only in the church, but in the home. Hello. Why do you have to wait till you come to church to come to an altar? You have a couch. You have a living room. You have a bedside. It's time that the altar be restored, not only in the church, but in the home. That we get past trying to fill people into the seats, but open up a space where people can come, leave their space of their, of their existence, and come to an altar and lay down their lives and, and be changed forever. A place where we have been shifted and, and things have been cut off and we, we, God can work on us so that we can go back and do what he's purposed us to do. We've got to let the altar come back into the house. It's time that salvation and repentance become a lifestyle and not a one-time emotion. I've been dealing with this for now two weeks in my spirit. Salvation and repentance is a lifestyle. It is not a one-time emotion because a preacher said something cute to give you goosebumps to make you want to walk away from where you were, and then we end up walking back. No, I'm talking about true repentance, 180-degree turn from who I used to be to focusing on where God's calling me and never going back, never looking back. I can't afford to go back because that was death and this is life. When this is this reformation that God's saying, listen, you're going to abide by my word, not your opinions. 
You're going to abide to my scripture, not to your thoughts and emotions. You no longer, we no longer can mistranslate this word. Lest God make our tongue cleave to the roofs of our mouth. It's time that the fivefold ministry operate in the church again. Here it comes. Tell you, when I wrote this last night, I felt more like a prophet than I did a preacher. It's time that the fivefold ministry operate in the church again. The apostle, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It's time that we get back to discipleships and discipleship and not programs. Pastor, what do you mean discipleship? I don't mean make you feel good because you're a man, make you feel good because you're a woman, make you feel good because you're a kid, make you feel good because you're a young adult. I'm talking about raising you up so that we can go and reach the world. I'm talking about going beyond the typical church service, the feel-goods, the emotions. Oh, that was a good word. Listen, good word comes when you apply it, not just when you hear it. There's a shifting happening. There is a reformation happening. There is a reformation happening. But you're going to have to be willing to crawl up on the potter's wheel and let him mold some stuff out of you. He might spin that thing really hard. Hold on. You might get a little dizzy, but he's working it out. It's time for restoration in the church. Not a restoration of people, a restoration of the church back to God. The problem is that we've been wrestling with God for long enough and it's time to submit to his blessing and allow him to change our name or bring value back to his house and our title of believer. Come on, work with me for a second. When you tell people you're a believer, they go, ah, I believe what's about to shift in the culture now is that when you say believer, people say, can I get what you got? I need what you have. You've got peace. I don't have it. You've got joy. I don't have it. You've got God. I don't have it. I need what you got. And that's where we're going to step in and become the church, not the visitors on a Sunday. But the church, I believe with all of my heart, we're going to see, we're going to see salvations happen in restaurants and in stores. And, and you're going to have a boldness come over you like never before. And, and, and you're going to not be shy and not be afraid of somebody might tell you no. But you're going to start to find out that yes is the word of the order, of the word of the moment. Yes is the word of the moment. That people will say, yes, please pray for me. Yes, please stand with me. Yes, please show me how to live my life. Yes, please lead me to the God. I believe that's where we are. I didn't say it was for everybody. I didn't say everybody would hear it. I didn't say everybody would walk into it. But I believe in this hour, the church has to pull its big boy pants up. Okay, can I just say it this way? I got four kids. I can say it this way. It is time for the church to take off its nighttime diapers because it refuses to do big boy and big girl things. It is time for us to move forward. Stop making excuses why we can't and just change it and live it and walk it and breathe it. And when we say that's who we are, that's who we are. We don't change. We don't waver. We don't shift. We don't walk away. This is who we are and this will be who we are unto death. Or if you would like it in my word, unto life. But the Bible declares he who endures till the end shall be saved. Not he who goes to church on Sunday mornings. Not he who just sings a couple of songs and makes everybody think he's got it all together. I'm talking about he who endures. Yes, you might make mistakes. Yes, you might have to repent. Yes, you've got to stay in a salvation mindset. But doggone it, we have got to step up in this hour so that the world can see that God is bigger than all of this. It's time where we leave our where we have to leave our mistakes and failures behind and be restored back to God. 
Stop walking around depressed and in your pity parties. Get over yourself and let God in. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Stop living in the old and start walking in the new. I'm tired. It's, it's time that we have to leave the Sunday visitation where we check the box and ask, ask I'm sorry, and act as if our relationship with God is strong, but one that brings God back in the house. We 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 gotta stop playing the game. The masquerade ball is over. The, the the painting, the painting of sin is over. We've got to step up. So I believe the first step to this reformation that the church has to experience is that we must come home and stay. Stop getting angry. Because in God's house, there's order. Submit to the order of the house. And watch what he does in your life. We have run from God because we didn't like his guidelines. And God says, my guidelines will not only sustain you, but will bring great provision to you and will cause blessings in you and in your household. There are no more options, no more excuses, no more anything. But once we have chosen to cross over and step into that place of restoration with God, now what? Okay, Pastor, last week I got it, and and I get it. I got to live my life for God. I understand that. But where do we go from here? How do we go forth? And this is the word that God gave me yesterday during our morning prayer time. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, very simple states. And here it is, and I want you to underline this in your Bible. Once restoration, once we have decided to bring ourselves back home to God. You notice I didn't say stand on the other side and tell God to come over. That we have left our stuff and moved back in with God. This is what he says in Zechariah 4, 6. How will we go from here? He says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Before I can get into the context of this scripture this morning, I need to give you some background. And Zechariah, starting in chapter 1 and all the way through this whole book, I believe is a layout of what I believe God is doing and going to do in the coming moments. I would encourage you over this week to read Zechariah 1 all the way through Zechariah 4, verse 6. You'll probably want to go further because it'll make you want to shout. It'll make you want to leap and run because it is proof that God is moving in this hour. So let me, let me give this to you real quick. In Zechariah chapter 1, there is a call to repentance. <laughs> Here it comes. Not just anybody to repent, but believers to repent. People who know God but have walked from God. People who know God but do not dwell with God. And there is a call of repentance in chapter 1. And if, because I believe that repentance is the start of all of this thing. Because if you and I can't repent, how can we lead someone into repentance? If you and I can't realize that we have errors in our ways and ask God to forgive us, then how can we expect anyone to listen to us when we want to lead them in, the, in repentance? This isn't just, repentance isn't just reserved for the sinner. It's the access point of the believer. Okay, I'm going to say that again because you need to grab this. Repentance is not just reserved for the sinner. On a Sunday morning when pastor finishes and gives an altar call and pastor Ben's back here playing that nice little melody behind him and everybody feels it and they come running up crying and weeping. No, it's not just released for the sinner. It is the access point of the believer. When you repent, when you have a heart of repentance, you have access to the throne room of grace. 
It is not an I'm sorry. It is I'm committed to your ways, O God. That's what it is. This is not an I'm sorry, but I'm committed. So in chapter 1, they deal with Zechariah's being, Zechariah's hearing from the angel that, that there is a call to repentance in the church. In chapter 2 and 3, God begins to give Zechariah a vision of what he's about to do. He begins to speak to the prophets so that the people can know what God is doing in the earth. I believe this with all of my heart. And I'm going to say this to you, and don't freak out when I say this, but the prophet is going to be restored back into the house. The prophetic unction, the prophetic unction, the revelation of God is about to be manifested in the house of God again. And those who ignore it will miss where God is going. Something that has been laid aside in the church because it's not popular or because it's weird. Baby, there, the word prophet is in the Bible, then it's going to be in the house of God. We are not going to exclude it because we're afraid of what people might think. Because I'm going to tell you something. Some of the greatest decisions I have ever made came from someone who gave me a word from God. Do you know that this church was birthed by a word of God from a prophet? While my wife sat in, my wife and I sat in a church service in Alabama on the back row, this man called me and my wife out and declared what this church would be like. And we had no idea what we were walking into. We had no idea what God would do in that hour. We had no idea the struggles we would go through. But we had a word. It is time for us to be led by the Spirit of God, led by the Word of God, and let the prophet back in the house. We will no longer lock them outside in the parking lot because it doesn't fit our culture. It doesn't fit how cool and hip we are. No, we are going to be God's church, not Brian's church, not the team's church, not the house church. We're going to be God's house. I said this yesterday morning. Where has the thus saith the Lord gone? And I get that. That's a very tough one to throw out there. Where has the declaration of God gone? I feel like we've traded declaration for hope. We spend our life hoping God will do something rather than declaring what God will do. Read your Bible. There wasn't a lot of hope. There was a lot of declaring. In fact, this whole book is nothing but declaration. But we've walked away from that because we don't want to, look, I'm going to say this, and I don't mean this to be tight, but you know how I am. I, I believe that the reason with the thus saith the Lord has gone away is because the commitment has gone away. Because you can't declare what God is speaking in this moment if you're not committed to the things of God. So we have to commit to God. We have to restore ourselves back to God. And I believe that when we restore ourselves back to God, the voice of God will be so loud in the house again that thus saith the Lord will be a declaration. And when it is spoken, the walls will shake, the earth will quiver, and the cities will be saved. Traded declaration for hope. I needed hope when I was lost in sin, but now I need a declaration of the things to come. Don't tell me you hope I'm going to come back to church. Tell me what God is speaking in this moment, and that will sustain me. Because a word from God is better than a word from man any day. At the end of chapter 3, it says something very powerful. God speaks to him about the rest of God speaks to Zechariah about the restoration of the high priest in the house. Here it comes, Jesus. When I read this, I, I'm telling you, I went, I got up. I thought my wife was asleep. I walked in the room and I laid down. I went, my God, I don't know what I just read, but I'm about to run around the house. Because here's what it says in Zechariah chapter 3 in verse 8. It says, here, O Joshua, the high priest, the pastor. Here it comes. You and your companions. Another version says you and all of the other pastors who sit before you, 
They are a wondrous sign, for behold, I am bringing forth my servant, the branch. And you go, Pastor, what does that mean? Okay, here it comes. I am bringing forth my servant, the branch. You know what that was referring to? Jesus. Here it comes. And I'm telling you, this is very prophetic, and you need to receive this right now in this moment. He says, get ready. I'm about to do a work in the church with the pastor and the body of believers, and I'm going to send my servant, the branch. Some theologians believe that was when he first came, but most theologians believe and most translations show that what he's referring to is the second coming of Jesus. Here it comes. I'm trying to help you. And before you go, pastor, does that mean the end times? Baby, stop it. Don't get lost in him rescuing you. Become a rescuer. Verse 9, he says, For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua, upon the stone are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave its inscription, says the Lord of hosts. Here it comes. And I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. day. I I don't know if you're shouting the way I feel it on the inside of me. But let me go back. He says, Therefore, that I have, uh, for behold, the stone, the rock, (laughs) the foundation that I have laid before Joshua. Upon that stone are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave its inscription. Says the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. This is what God started speaking to me. There is coming a moment where we will start to build our houses on the foundation and no longer sinking sand. We are done with sinking homes. We are now at that place where God says, now I need you to build your house on the rock. And it says, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. My God, I'm trying to help you catch this. And it says, in that day, says the Lord of hosts, here it comes. Watch, read it, watch. Everyone will invite his. Everyone will invite his neighbor under his vine, into his home, and under his fig tree. In other words, we will no longer be able to ignore one another, but we will now be invitations to the provision of God. And we will not ignore where our neighbors are headed, but we will have a desire to bring God to them. This is where it's shifting. It's it's shifting. And I'm not even to verse 6 yet. It's shifting. As I'm reading this, God is just dumping and dumping and dumping. And if you go read it, take your time. Slow down. Don't go read through it fast because it's a lot of meat. But I want to encourage you. Go back and read it because God's up to something in this moment. So in chapter 4 in Zechariah, Zechariah begins to have more visions of things to come. And in verse 6, before any explanation, because every time the angel would show Zechariah something, he would say, do you know what this means? And what's amazing is every time God, every time the angel showed something to Zechariah, Zechariah was like, no, I don't know. And so he was getting explanations. But before Zechariah would give the explanation, he says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. And I'm going to break this down for you in a second, but just wait. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. The word might is a general word for human resources, such as physical strength, ability, wealth, military power, and force. Watch. Not by wars. Not by strife. Not by showing power. He says, not by might nor by power. Power is human strength in all of its form, physical, mental, and material. In other words, your wealth ain't even going to do it for you anymore. 
So not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. What does he mean by that? The Holy Spirit, the anointing, the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. How do we move forward? By the spirit of God. When Jesus left the earth, he said, there is one to come, one that will comfort you, one that will hold you in the midnight hour, one that will lead you and guide you. He said, I am sending forth my spirit. So the spirit of God is now coming on the earth and now is wanting to lead us into this next session, this next season of our lives. And we cannot ignore Ignore it because it has been sent for this hour so that we can walk through this and ride out of it. My spirit, my spirit. When was the last time you let the spirit of God in? Uh, he said this word was the word for Zerubbabel. Do you know who Zerubbabel was? Here it comes. Zerubbabel was a governor, a politician. And this is what God spoke to me last night. He said, Brian, I need you to understand that not even the government can contain what I'm about to do. Because it's not even by their power, <laughs> not even by their might. I'm telling you, watch, and I'm going to say this to you very boldly. Remember this date, April 26, 2020. There is coming a day where Democrats and Republicans don't exist. Libertarians don't exist. <laughs> because you're going to have to answer to God, not to a, Demo not to a, not to a party or affiliation. It's coming. It's coming rapidly. It's coming quickly. Please do not ignore this moment. And don't think that I'm talking about the clarion trumpet sound from heaven. There still has to be a last revival. There still has to be a last outpouring. There still has to be a last harvest. And, and we haven't seen that yet. And no, the pandemic wasn't the harvest. The pandemic was the preparation for the harvest. I'll give you a word my brother gave me, and I know he'll probably watch this later. My older brother called me. He said, bro, I was in prayer the other night, and I saw in my prayer time, I saw a field of corn. It looked like ears of corn standing up. And the closer I got to it, I started to realize it wasn't ears of corn. It was people's hands in worship. That a harvest is there. But the Bible says the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Baby, I don't know if you realize what's happening in this moment, but God is preparing you to be a laborer in the field, to be a tiller of the soil. God will reap the harvest, but you're going to have to plant, you're going to have to sow, and you're going to have to tend to in this hour. And God says if you'll be willing to do it, you will walk in the middle of the greatest outpouring you have ever seen. I'm not talking about what happened in the Bible. I'm not talking about Azusa Street. I'm not talking about any of the revival we've seen over the years, baby. This is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an outpouring of the Spirit of God in ways we've never seen. Not by power, not by might, but by my Spirit. Put your strength down and let Him become your strength. And be led by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit of of God, let the anointing drip from your being. Not by might. I think for a long time we've been trying to do church and ministry by might and by power. We have forgotten to let the Spirit of God in. To allow the Holy Spirit to move. In this moment, can I just be honest with you? In this moment, it's the only thing I can rely on. I can't rest in your amens. I can't rest in your, that was a good word, pastor. I can't rest in the, oh man, that was a good Sunday service, pastor. I have to rest 
in the Holy Spirit and that the Spirit of God is leading me in this hour. And so do you. We cannot be led by power and might. You will wear yourself out. Because you do not have enough strength in your body compared to what the Spirit of God can do in you and through you. Goes on in verse 7. Almost done. Goes on in verse 7. It says, Who are you, O great mountain? Jesus. You, you want to know I'm getting excited. You'll find in a second. Before Zerubbabel, before your government, before your governor, you shall become a plain. And he shall bring forth the capstone. I have read that so many times, and I've never decided to look up what the word capstone meant. He said, before your government, before your leadership, before your governor, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone. The word capstone in the Hebrew is defined as great high points or moments. Another version says an outpouring. He shall bring forth the outpouring with shouts of grace. Grace to it. Do you understand? God is about to shift things so heavily that if we decide to lay down our strength, our power, and our might and operate by his spirit, he said, Brian, I'm going to take those who choose to be led by the spirit and I am going to cause every mountain to crumble and I'm going to place them in position to receive the greatest outpouring even in the midst of whatever the economy does, whatever the government decides. Basically, what he's saying to me is he's saying that I'm about to out, I'm about to pour out a thing that no one can contain. And he says, with shouts of grace on it. With shouts of grace on it. The second part of this reformation in our lives that we must that we must operate under and that we must allow is allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. You don't have the might. You don't have the power, but he does. And by his spirit, he will lead you. Stop trying to be strong enough and let him become your strength. Because I promise you, he'll carry you farther than you could ever imagine. Pastor, I I received this, and and it's a great word. You know, somebody said to me years ago, they said, Pastor, that was a great word. Pastor, it was a great sermon. And there's nothing more flattering than hearing someone tell you you've preached a great word. But I remember looking at that person. I said, can I, can I tell you what would do me one better? That you go out and do it. That you go out and live it. I think for years we've, we've said that's a good word. We've been convicted or, 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 or challenged by the word. We've been challenged to change, challenged to grow, challenged to go further than we've ever gone. But yet we go back to our lives and we stay the same and we come back next week wanting another word when we never did the first word. And, and, and I just believe with all of my heart, we're stepping into a place where God says, I will not move forward till you're obedient to the first one. You, you, know our, you know our mission statement here. Love God, love people. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love thy neighbor as thyself. We, we've had a hard time just doing that one. 
And God says, I'm about to put things in order, in alignment in this hour where I'm going to put my church back in the place where the glory of God can rest, not the opinions and the motions of people. Look, in this moment, I'm, I'm asking God, God, I don't want to lead like I've ever led before. I don't want to pastor like I've ever pastored before. Listen, preaching is not even in the fivefold ministry. That's just something a pastor does. You know what my prayer has been? God, help me to be a better shepherd. Help me to tend the flock better than I've ever tended them before. But before I tend them, God, help me to tend my family. Help me to lead my children. Help me to love my wife. Help me to be a greater demonstration to my children in my home before I am a demonstration of you in this church. Because as I lead my home, it makes leading this house very easy. Everything that you've been trying to do can be conquered. Every mountain that's in front of you can crumble. When you lay down what you think you ought to do and pick up what the Spirit of God tells you to do. I don't want to share all the story because I'm sure she'll share it. It's Friday when we do our devotion, but... My wife called me the other day, and she's like, baby, there's this lady I want to I sh- share God with her. I'm, I'm nervous to do it, but I got to do it. I know I got to do it. I know I got to do it. I know I got to do it. And man, when she called me, I just told her, baby, you got to do it. I, I, I have faith, and I know you can do it. I know, it, I know, it's, it, I know it's nerve-wracking sometimes, but I know God's going to use you. And she called me after that day, and she's like, baby, it went so much better than I even expected. She listened, and let me pray with her. God began to show me things about her and, and didn't know that she was going through some stuff and, and Tiff was able to minister to her. And, and we don't know, here's the great part, we don't know what the harvest looks like, but we know the seed's been planted. But she was led by the Spirit. There are going to be moments where you're led by the Spirit and you're going to go, man, that didn't work the way I thought it was going to work. That was really bad. That was rough. It's okay, just hang on. Because if you're led by the Spirit, it's not always pretty, but there's a promise at the end of it. Promises are not always pretty. Church, I don't know what tomorrow holds. And can I just be honest with you, I really don't care. I know what today holds, though. I know what this moment holds. This morning, I didn't wake up on a, it was a normal Sunday. I didn't wake up to do this thing like I always do. This morning, I woke up and I got in the bathroom and I got in the shower and I just said, God, I, I, I don't even know what you want to do today, but I'm, I'm ready for you to lead me in this. I'm ready for you to lead me. I'm ready for you to lead me so that I can lead your people so that we can get to you together. I'm not missing out anymore. And it's not that over the last 15 years I haven't led with the Spirit of God, but I'm telling you today, there is so much more of a more fine-tuned space in me to hear from God than there's ever been. I'm pressing beyond. I'm going beyond the veil. I'm, I'm, I'm pressing into a space that, you know, I, I don't always visit, but man, I die now, desire to dwell there every day of my life. I want this to be our declaration for the next week, not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. By His Spirit, I will move forward. When the Spirit of God takes over, there is no coronavirus. 
when the Spirit of God takes over, there is no loss. There is provision, sustainment, and favor, and grace, and mercy, and joy, and peace. All of the promises of God, the glory of God, all of the attributes of God manifesting at one time. That's what happens when we desire to walk and be led by the Spirit. So after you've come back to God, after you've come home and desired to dwell in his home, dwell in his house, not visit, dwell. Put all your belongings in, set up shop, and call it home. He says, now I need you to let the Holy Spirit lead you. Don't let your emotions lead you. Don't let your fears, your doubts, your worries, your concerns. Let the Spirit of God lead you. And if you'll allow it, every burden, every yoke will be removed and destroyed. And God says he will cause the iniquities of the land in one day to be removed. And, and, and that, that one verse where it says that he will place a capstone on it, that, that his outpouring is coming. Pastor, what do you mean by outpouring? can't wait to find out. Here's the great part. I don't put a definition to God's outpouring. I'll just be available when he's ready to do it. I want to encourage you this morning, not by might, nor by power, but be led by the Spirit of God and watch what he does in you, through you, around you, and for you. This is our greatest hour. 42 years of life. And I'm having more fun in God right now than I've had my entire existence. I'm having more moments with God than I've had in 42 years. And I've had some powerhouse moments. Here's the great thing about God. He doesn't repeat moments. He gives you new moments. This is that new moment. And it is time for us to embrace it. Time for us to walk in it and allow the Spirit of God back in our homes, back on our jobs. Man, put Him in your car on the way to work. Let Him move and let Him touch. It'll change you forever. He said it. He said, I'm going to the right hand of the Father. I'll return one day, but I'm sending one. I'm sending the Comforter. The one to wrap around you and to carry you and to be with you and to lead and guide you. You don't have to do this thing blind. And you don't have to wear yourself out to do it. You just have to let the Spirit of God lead you from this point forward. And we'll see what goes next. I told you one bite at a time, one moment at a time. First week was restoration. Come back home. Second week was be led by the Spirit. Next week, I'll give you part three. I'll give you the next step. But I can't give you the next step if you refuse to do what God is saying this week. Be led by his spirit. Let the anointing lead you. Let his presence lead you. Let his power lead you. Watch where it takes you. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. For everything that you are. 
everything that you've always have been. Not just for what you will be or what we'll experience in the later days, but God, I thank you for everything that you have been. I thank you, God, that you can take us to a verse in Scripture that is well before us and let it speak to the moments we exist in even now. Let it speak to, let it become a thus saith the Lord in this moment. So that we have a declaration to march with, not a hope that we might see it one day. Father, my prayer has always been, don't let me miss what you desire to do. Don't, I don't want to miss the next great outpouring. And I believe with all of my heart that that outpouring is coming, that that manifestation is coming. And I believe that the sound and the rumblings in the church and in the, in the homes today, we are all feeling it, that we are on the cusp of, an, of a great capstone, a great outpouring in this moment. A great high point, not just in the church, but in the lives of every believer. But Father, I believe that you're doing it so that we can go and win those that are lost. God, why did you call the disciples disciples and said, come and I'll make you fishers of men? He said, come, I'll make you disciples and I'll teach you how to fish for men. He didn't say, I'll teach you how to go to church. He didn't say, I'll teach you how to do, start a program. He didn't teach you, I'll, start to, I'll show you how to build a building. He didn't say, I'll teach you. He said, I'll teach you how to reach the lost. God, let us, as we grow in this moment, let those that do not know, let them become the cry of our heart. Let them let us not rest until they've come home, until they've received you, till they're led by the Spirit and they become disciples of you, Father. Let us not rest. Let us not grow weary, but let us not rest in this until, God, we start to see this world change and your name be declared, your name be glorified, not material items, not situations, not circumstances, not popularity, but you, God, be glorified in the earth. Let us not rest until we finally do what you've been telling us to do this whole time. Father, wherever we are, well, let us be like the disciples, whether we're tending to our businesses or doing whatever, God, you are in our midst and you are walking by and you are calling us by name and you are saying, come, leave everything behind and I will make you disciples. I will make you fishers of men. Father, help us. Help us to receive that right now. Help us to receive that clarion call. Let us not do church. Church is boring. It's much greater when family comes home. I don't want to do church anymore. I want to raise up in this hour, God. I want to help lead and guide by your spirit, new disciples in the church, God, new, new believers, new people to go forth and declare the gospel, not hope the gospel, but declare and decree the gospel, declare and decree the coming Messiah, declare and decree. Father, I believe that John the Baptists are being raised up in this hour. I believe that Jeremiah's are being raised up in this hour. I believe that Zechariah's are being raised up in this hour. Father, I believe that Josiah's young children are being raised up in this hour. Father, I believe that the apostle, prophet, preacher, teacher, evangelist is being restored back to the house, Father. God, I just declare those things right now. I don't, I don't rest on it. That's not a word just for me, Father. It's a word for your house. It's a word for your people, God. We will not do business as usual. We will flip over the tables that we've built inside of the synagogue. We will throw them down and we will make this your home again. A place where your glory can rest and a place where people can come and receive the free gift of salvation. Father, continue to mold us.
Continue to change us. Continue to shift us. Help us to reflect everything that you are. Help us to be led by the Spirit. Father, we thank you for everything you've done in our midst over these last few weeks. God, I thank you for quarantine. Father, I can only speak for myself. My relationships with my family have only grown and become stronger. My love is bigger. My heart has swelled up with more of you. God, I don't curse this pandemic. I thank you that you are in the midst of it. And that we can crawl up next to you and rest in this boat we call life. Because you, God, are the peace that passes all understanding. Help us this week to see you in everything. Help us to not move past a moment hastily, but to dwell and to rest and to listen so that we might be led by your spirit. Restoration, come back to God. Be led by his spirit. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for our amazing church family who've watched online today. Thank you for those who will watch throughout the week. And I declare that this is not a word, that this is your word. This is a thus saith the Lord moment for your people. We hold on to it now. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. We love you.